Welcome to Betrayal Trauma Recovery, BTR.org. I'm Anne. I'm sure you remember what it was like when you were searching for help, maybe for your husband, hoping to find the right program or therapist. That's why I started podcasting. I supported my husband through seven years of pornography addiction recovery, and not one therapist during that time told me I was experiencing emotional and psychological abuse and sexual coercion. I didn't want any other woman on the planet to be in the dark. If you're like the majority of my listeners, you're experiencing the type of abuse that's invisible and difficult to wrap your head around. Your husband is using porn or having affairs or lying to you, and you're getting the same bad advice about how to improve communication or your relationship. If you need support from women who totally understand, check out our daily group session schedule at btr.org group. We'd love to see you in a session today. One simple anonymous way to help spread the word is to click, follow, or subscribe to the Betrayal Trauma Recovery Podcast on your favorite podcasting app. While you're there, every five-star rating helps make this podcast more visible and will help save other women from getting the wrong kind of help, like a couple program that will make this type of abuse worse. For those of you who follow or subscribe to this podcast, thank you so much. Your support means so much to me. We have Michelle Donnelly of Agape Moms back on today's episode The first part of our interview was last week, so if you haven't heard that, go there first and then join us here. I'm just going to jump right in. It's like you're parenting on your own and this other person is like actively trying to cause problems, which is not what I would call parenting. And it's difficult because we want so much to have influence sometimes over what is happening in that household and we're just not able to. And that is the part that gets really hard. It gets heavy. It's disconcerting. It's it's scary, right? So those are the things where when you're in that kind of situation, it's dialing in and doubling down on everything possible that you can do to put your kids' needs first and to give them everything that is within your ability to do so. That while they're with you, that you are present with them and that if you have the ability to take them to counseling, if that's what they need, or if you're able to show up at school, if you're able to bring mentors, like really wonderful, healthy people into their lives to do outings with them, you know, and I'm not saying you have to be super mom. I'm not saying you have to be Pinterest mom. I'm not saying you have to throw these really elaborate, you know, birthday parties or like, this is all about being your kid's safe place so that if there are unsafe things that are happening when they're away from you, and this is something we would want, whether that unsafe stuff was happening at a parent's house or if it was happening in their school or wherever, but that they know mom is a safe person to talk to. That mom, when I bring her my problem, she's going to have the ability to listen and to comfort me and to maybe offer some support or solutions or things like that. And learning how to do that when you yourself are underwater is hard. So this is often where I say, you know, the investments that you put into yourself as far as your own healing and support groups, whatever it is that you choose to do, that that inevitably will pass to your kids. So if all of these things I'm saying right now, you're like, oh my goodness, it sounds so overwhelming. That's a lot of things. Even just focusing on getting stable and healthy and strong yourself, you'll start to know what are those ways that you can pour into your kids. You'll know what are those conversations that you should bring up. 
you'll know that when your child says, you know, I don't like that the other parent's doing X, Y, or Z, that they can come to you and that you can offer them real compassion. And for every little thing that happens, we worry so much that, oh, this is just not going the way I wanted. And this is going to, you know, be their doom and, and that kind of thing. And God is so much bigger than all of the things that we're going through. And if we look at this from a really long range perspective and say, I just want to be that safe place for my kids and do the best that I can do to be there for them, that when they really start to feel the friction, you know, when they start to feel like something is wrong and the rubber meets the road, that they know that they have an option. And whether or not they choose it, that's also out of our control. There's just so many parts of life in general, and this is one of them, that are outside of our control. But what we can do is the best that we can do to create a safe and solid place, beginning with our own health. So the short answer is no. You cannot co-parent with an abuser. Parallel parenting is the way to go. You just worry about what's going on when you're the parent and you do the best you can. And then the things that he's doing, you could confront him about it, but we all know where that goes, right? So we do the best we can. So speaking of parallel parenting, how do moms unknowingly continue to give power to an abusive partner, even when they're trying to parallel parent, even if they've given up on co-parenting, even if they know the word parallel parent, there are still some ways they can give up power. Can you talk about that for a minute? Sure. So I think the thing here that's really essential is, and this goes back to trying to manage the feelings. For example, like let's say there's a divorce decree and let's say that it says dad is supposed to take the kids on this night and this night, or he takes them, you know, whatever the arrangement is. It's a very fine balance here when they perhaps would say something like, oh, well, I can't take them that night. You know, I'll take them this one or, you know, or, oh, sorry, I, you know, had to do this and I can't come get them tonight. Or, you know, a lot of times in those instances, what we really want to do is say, well, this is what the paper says, (laughs) you know, or this is what the agreement is. And sometimes we might get so caught in the holding up all of those very specific rules or hey, no, you you should be wanting to take your kids or you should be wanting to be with them or you should be, you know, coming to their things or whatever it is that what ends up happening is we're re-engaging and it's an open door for a discussion or an argument or that kind of thing when their choices are their own choices. And so if we see, you know, for example, that the child's not being picked up and it's hurting their feelings, the fix it is not necessarily to say, well, I need to figure out a way to get him to come pick him up. It may be that this is a way for the child to understand the choices that are being made here. And sometimes that's hurtful to have to walk our kids through that. But we can't go about covering up or trying to get them to do what they're supposed to do or making excuses, you know, when it comes to, oh, well, he just had to blah, blah, blah. He really does love you, right? Of course your dad loves you. Yeah, mm -hmm. right. In this instance, the sugarcoating is more harmful. 
because over time they're not able to discern the truth. And I think that's the biggest thing is always giving kids as much as age appropriate truth as they are able to digest. And that's where learning how to offer support is so important because it is truth, but with love. It's truth saying, I know this is hurtful though, and I'm sorry that this is happening. We're not going to be able to fix all of it, but if we want our kids to long-term have an understanding of where they are, they understand their woundings, and then they understand where that road to healing can come from if we're truthful with them all along the way. And so it's not even just necessarily how are we handing the power back to the abuser in this case, but it's also how are we empowering our kids by giving them truth rather than trying to sweep it under the rug or fix it all or cover it up or, you know, whatever way we might be coping with it. Real quick before a response, there are a lot of so-called betrayal trauma therapists or coaches or groups out there, but they don't approach pornography use or infidelity as an abuse issue, or they try to quote unquote treat both the abuser and the victim in the same setting, which is unethical. So if you hear something in this episode you relate to, check out the group session schedule at btr.org group. We'd love to see you in a group session today. Now back to our conversation. Okay, now back to the conversation. Or manage an abuser's relationship with his children, right? I've seen quite a few women do that too, where they're like, he hasn't seen him, so I need to make sure that he gets them a birthday present or, you know, something like that. And you're like, no, just let him not get him a birthday present. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's very, very important that that management, I love that word, it's such a perfect word. You can't go in there and manage everything. Sometimes the best thing that you can do is simply allow that thing to play itself out. And as much as we would not want to see our kids hurt, as much as we would not want them to suffer anymore, it is a greater disservice if you are whitewashing the whole thing and making it look making it look some way that it's not because then eventually the truth does come out and then they will be frustrated with you for not being truthful with them and it can cause them to feel alienated it can cause them to feel that you're not safe and that's the biggest thing that we can offer to our kids in these situations is that safe place yeah that drives me crazy when someone does something that is just clearly not a loving like a good thing that like a parent would do and you know a neighbor or some quote-unquote helpful bystander will say, well, of course he loves you. He's just busy. Or of course he cares about you. He just, you know, and I'm like, no, 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 no. Like you're not his top priority, which is the hardest thing. Like not that I would necessarily say that, but let that play out. You don't need to like tell that to their face, but like let it play out and never tell your kid, no, of course he loves you. When you're like, he's incapable of loving anyone. Mm -hmm. And the thing that ends up happening if you do that is you're essentially gaslighting your kid that you're causing them to question their own reality when you're calling it something else. And in which case, then you're complicit. And you definitely don't want that. Because <laughs> they don't feel loved for good reason. Because their dad is selfish or their dad is incapable of loving them. So in that way, what are your thoughts about raising a child in ways that prevent them from being manipulated or deceived? 
how can we help our kids to recognize the truth? Mm-hmm. So this is something that is built up over time, that you're not going to have a one-time conversation with your child about the things they're going through or, hey, watch out for this, and then that's it. If you're having ongoing conversations with them about all kinds of things, and this can even be manipulation at school with bullies, recognizing how did you feel when that person treated you that way and just practicing with them what it is to identify feelings and sharing that in a safe, open forum gives them the ability to learn to process, learn to watch, learn to give context as they're going through these various relationships in their lives. But as they get older, they start to have very pointed questions. They start to look at inconsistencies and recognize them and try to make sense of them. And they will very often start bringing things to you. You may not necessarily have to go through and and dig it all up. And sometimes that causes distrust if it's like, oh, so what happened over there? (laughs) You know, (laughs) like it's fine to ask those things. But if it constantly feels like you're prying and prodding, then they won't feel comfortable and safe with you. But if when they do bring you a concern, that validation of what they see or what they feel, what they experience is so good. And you can do that in a way that is not making the thing personal. It's not bashing. It's not anything like that. It is simply saying you see a behavior and it makes you feel uncomfortable. That is normal. And as they start to have those conversations with you, then they're able to trust that instinct or that move of the Holy Spirit, really. But that inner voice that is saying, ah, something feels unsafe, uncomfortable here. And what often happens, I think, is in manipulative dynamics is there is some kind of off moment, some red flag, something that is seen and it's just not acted upon or it's explained away. And so one of the best things we can do for our kids in these situations is equip them when they do see something that is strange or see something that feels bad or is inconsistent or manipulative that we are able to put that right word to it and say, yeah, no, that is confusing. It makes sense that you'd be confused in that situation. And then talk to them about what they might do. So this is where, you know, in parallel parenting, you're not able to control what happens over at that other house, but you are able to send your kids into any environment with an understanding of what to do if they feel uncomfortable. And that may look different depending on your child's temperament. That may look different whether or not, for example, they have devices, whether or not they're able to drive, you know, that kind of stuff. But it's teaching them what are those healthy ways that they can address these situations. Because very often they're not going to feel that they can stand up and say something. And they may feel even in the moment like they can't even go anywhere. But it's even letting them know hey, if you feel something's funny, go ahead and write it down. Or if you need to text me or you need to FaceTime or you need to leave the room and go to your bedroom or, you know, whatever whatever it is that you devise with your child just to let them know that they have methods of being safe, some way to get to safety if we are coaching them through that process in the first place. And if they're in a very dangerous situation, we absolutely want to make sure that they understand how to get a hold of safe adults or support 
authorities, whatever the case would be, so that they know that they always have recourse in whatever the situation might be. Yeah, for really good little kids, um, I really like the book Say No and Tell. I'm not sure if you've seen that. It's a There's a girl version and a boy version. It's generally about sexual abuse, but it gives a lot of examples about like, this is safe, this is unsafe, this is safe, this is unsafe. And even just using books like that to start conversations about it. My kids now tell me all the time when they feel safe or unsafe or when they feel uncomfortable. My little six-year-old is so good at saying, mom, I'm very uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, This makes me feel uncomfortable and I'm grateful. That's so good, especially even if they just saying uncomfortable is great sometimes they can't even put the feeling they can't figure out what the feeling is or even like the word overwhelmed like there's a lot of feelings I don't know what they all are and it's saying it's okay if you don't know what all those are right now that's okay all you know is that your body's giving you an alert that you can honor that alert system and that you can get to safety Michelle and I are going to pause again here and finish our conversation next week so stay tuned If this podcast is helpful to you, please help us reach other women by following or subscribing and giving us a five-star rating. Thank you for helping other women find us. If you've already purchased a copy of my book, Trauma Mama, Husband Drama, please circle back and give it a five-star rating. A lot of women are searching for books about betrayal trauma on Amazon, and rating Trauma Mama will help them find this podcast, which is free to everyone. Your donations keep this podcast going. Go to our website, btr.org, scroll to the bottom, click on support the BTR podcast. And until next week, stay safe out there.